Hey guys, Darren Watts here. Uh, before we get into this podcast, I just want to throw a disclaimer out there for everybody that's listening. Firstly, I appreciate everybody taking the time to listen to me. But if anybody is listening to this podcast for the sake of advice, well, for the sake of actually trying to solicit advice from a professional, professional, then I'm not your guy. I would recommend that you listen to another podcast that has just that, a professional mental health personnel, psychologist, and all of them. But if you're listening to me just to hear my story, hear other people's story, and just solicited uh, some knowledge or some educational stuff from what I read, then this is the podcast for you to listen to. But other than that, thank you for listening, and enjoy this podcast. MIT neuroscientist shares four things she never does to eliminate brain fog and forgetfulness. The alarm goes off, you get dressed, grab coffee, and head to work. But by lunchtime, you start to feel disorganized. You reread emails because you lack focus and mental clarity. There's nothing worse than brain fog. In addition to stress and lack of sleep, it can be caused by the immune system creating an inflammatory response in the brain. This can lead to symptoms like poor concentration and memory, or difficulty making decisions. As a neuroscientist, I study the causes of brain fog and forgiveness, uh, forgetfulness. To avoid them, here are four things I never do. I never let my body get tense for too long. Even if you think you're relaxed, your body may be physically tense. Examples of stiff neck, back, or shoulder pain. This could be uh, be a result of stress from things like unfinished tasks or looming deadlines. So when I notice that my body is tense, I immediately do an exercise called box breathing. First thing you do, inhale you through your nose as you slowly count to four seconds. Two, hold your breath for a count of four seconds. Three, exhale through your nose, releasing air, all the air from your lungs, as you slowly count to four seconds. Four, hold your breath for a count of four seconds. And five, repeat for at least four rounds. Box breathing, box breathing is a simple way to help calm your brain. Studies also show that it can reduce levels of cortisol, which is the chemical produced when the body is under stress. Number two, I never use screens one hour before bedtime. As tempting as it might be to scroll through Instagram or watch TV before bedtime, these activities can be too stimulating for the brain. Instead, I try to read a book before turning out the lights. If that doesn't help me sleep, I do a relaxation body scan, squeezing and uh, releasing muscles, starting at my toes and all the way up to my head. Ideally, we need about 8 hours of sleep a night. More than that can lead to a depressed mood. Unless that uh, less than that doesn't give the brain enough time to rest and reset. Three, I never load up on glucose. If your gut isn't healthy, your brain power can falter too. I strengthen my gut-brain axis by maintaining a diet rich in hydrating foods, healthy fats, and digestible protein. Most important of all, I try to avoid sugar. Your brain uses glucose and sugar as fuel, but refined re- uh, carbohydrates like fructose, corn syrup, found that sodas are not good sources of fuel. Your brain gets a burst of too much glucose, then too little. 
This can lead to irritability, tiredness, mental confusion, and impaired judgment. I also eat foods rich in magnesium, whole grains, leafy uh, greens, dry beans, and leguminous to help regulate my mood and sleep, sleep cycle. And I make sure to have my last caffeinated drink of the day before 10 a.m. And four, I never go a day without meditating. I meditate for at least 12 minutes a day. Doing this at nighttime can help my mitigate brain fog the next day. One, remove all distractions from your room. Two, sit or lie down in a comfortable position. Three, take deep breaths. Four, quietly observe your thoughts. And five, whatever thoughts come, simply acknowledge them. Return your focus to your breathing. If you don't like to meditate, you can do a mindful activity such as cooking or taking a quiet walk. I also recommend coming up with a mantra that you could say in the morning like, brain fog is a state of mind. I will go to bed early tonight and be fine tomorrow. By articulating your goals to yourself out loud, you can start to be more intentional about changing your habits. And through that repetition, your brain and body will start to follow suit. All right. So that was Dr. Tara. Dr. Tara Swart Beaver is a, a neuroscientist, medical doctor, senior lecturer at MIT Sloan. Uh, I think she did this article. Um, she's the author of The Source, The Secrets of the Universe, The Science Brain, and hosts the podcast Reinvent Yourself with Dr. Tara. Uh, she works with leaders to help them achieve mental resilience and peak brain performances, uh, improving their ability to manage stress, regulate emotions, and retain information. You can follow her on Twitter and Instagram. Um, I'm just going to leave that there. Um, I think that's important to visualize when you're actually sitting down and taking a quick read. And that's what I did. I actually took this time to do a quick read on that. Um, so kind of take brain fog and forgetfulness. You have to kind of take that seriously. That's a very important thing. So I'm just going to leave that there. Meditate on that. That's the message. All right, welcome back. Welcome back to another one of Breaking Mental Health. I am that guy, Daryl. Okay, so I just did the message. Um, my journey, your journey. Gonna talk about that here in a hot second. And today I am going to do a series on domestic violence. This is a pretty serious topic. Um, I know back in year one I did some things on uh, domestic violence also with marriage and uh, betrayal, stuff like that. Um, I'm going to get more deeper into the domestic violence. Um, I'm, I'm going to do a pretty big series. I'm going to try to do a pretty big series on this. Um, it's a lot of information, uh, state by state, and then whole United States about uh, domestic violence. So I'm trying to cover a lot of material on that. Um, so here we go. Let's go ahead and start my journey, your journey. So with my journey, your journey, um, uh, I'm gonna be talking about here in a few seconds. Um, talk about domestic violence. Um, 
Let's talk about it. Uh, send me an email. Talk to me. Uh, BreakingMetalH at gmail.com. Or you can hit me up on the DMs on social media. Uh, Love University and at Love University, respect, respectfully. Um, what I want to know is you guys' story. Anybody that listens to this podcast, I want to know your story. Send me the email. Send me the DMs. Um, hope from that um, you allow me to share these details and hopefully that we could kind of put it in, not really put it into it, but kind of, you know, bring courage to a lot of other victims that are out here living the current, well, not living the current, uh, current in the past um, to actually bring forth to end their domestic violent, way, domestic violent ways. So hit me up. This is important. I don't like to beg, but... In this case, I really want those emails, so hit me up. Domestic violence. Yeah. Um, domestic violence has really... Um, risen up in the country today and it's all over the globe globally to say the least um that we, we really have to kind of like when it comes to mental health also that we have to keep an eye on our fellow members neighbors friends family uh this is no different when we're talking about domestic violence um you know, a lot of people don't want it happening to them. You know, we don't want that happening to them. Don't let it happen to them and all of that. So you always want to find a way to at least avoid um, trying to go look the opposite way. You want to bring it up, talk about it. Um, anybody going through it currently that um, encourage them to get out of it, find a way to get out of it, help them with a plan, some sort, sort like that. Now, I will admit that this is a hard conversation for me because um, I just don't wish it on anybody. And one of the things that I hate most when it comes to domestic violence is when it ends in death, especially when it comes to murder-suicide which would be the biggest sign that someone is in a domestic violence relationship or in a marriage. And that's what I hate the most when it comes down to domestic violence. And um, that's just my brief, like, brief vent, my brief introduction to domestic violence. But let's go ahead need to share some things um, I want to um, share some links I'm going to share it in the uh, description so you're more than welcome to um, check it out and uh, either you can 
I'm going to read some stuff on here. Um, you're more than welcome to read with me. It'll be kind of like an audio book type of deal. But, of course, you have the link in the description. So, uh, if you wish to join me, join me. If not, you can just sit back and just listen. Alright, so... National Coalition Against Domestic Violence. This is the uh, source that I've gotten from the internet. And I'm going to read some of the stuff on here to kind of explain what domestic violence is and some stats and information and the impact of uh, domestic violence. Sexual assault, stalking, homicide, uh, physical and mental uh, effects, and stuff like that. So, um, and then if I have enough time, I'm going to get into, um, some state by state, um, stats of, uh, domestic violence. And of course, going to start off with the home state, uh, Indiana. And then as the series goes on, I will do a little different state by states of, uh, domestic violence. So let's do this. So, domestic violence. What is domestic violence? Uh, domestic violence is the willful intimidation, physical assault, battery, sexual assault, and or other abusive behavior as part of a systematic pattern of power and control perpetrated by one intimate partner against another. It includes physical violence, sexual violence, threats, economic, and emotional and psychological abuse. Uh, the frequency and severity of domestic violence varies dramatically. Did you know, in the United States, more than 10 million adults experience domestic violence annually? If each of these adults experience only... Well, wait a minute. It's of each of these adults experience only one, only once incidents of violence. An adult in the U.S. would experience violence every three seconds. However, because domestic violence is a pattern, many experience repeated acts of abuse annually. So an incident of abuse happens far more frequently than every three seconds. One in four women and one in ten men experience sexual violence, physical violence, and or stalking by an intimate partner during their lifetime with IPV-related impact, such as being concerned for their safety, uh, PTSD symptoms, injury, or needing victim services. Uh, approximately one in five female victims and one in 20 male victims need medical care. Female victims sustain injuries three times more often than male victims. One in five female victims and one in nine uh, male victims need legal services. 23.2% of women and 13.9% of men have experienced severe physical violence by an intimate partner during their lifetime. From 2016 through 2018, the number of intimate partner violence victimizations in the United States increased 42%. On a typical day, domestic violence hotlines nationwide receives over 19,000 calls. An abuser's access to a firearm increases the risk of intimate partner femicide by 400%. In 
2018, partner violence accounted for 20% of all violent crime. Uh, intimate partner violence is most common against women between the ages of 18 to 24, and 90% of intimate partner violence involves a weapon. The impact. Domestic violence is, a, is prevalent in every community and affects all people, regardless of age, socioeconomic status, sexual orientation, gender, race, religion, or nationality. Physical violence is often accompanied by emotionally abusive and controlling behavior as part of a much larger systematic pattern of dominance and control. Domestic violence can result in physical injury, uh, psychological trauma, and even death. The devastating consequences of domestic violence can cross generations and last a lifetime. Uh, sexual assault. One in five women and one in 40 men in the United States are victim of rape or attempted rape during their lifetime. Uh, nearly one in five women and one in 12 men have experienced contact sexual violence by an intimate partner in their lifetime. From 2016 through 2018, the number of rape uh, sexual assault victimizations in the United States increased 146%. Stalking. Stalking victimization involves a pattern of harassing or threatening tactics used by a perpetrator that causes the victim to fear for their safety or the safety of others. 19.1% million women and 6.4 million men in the United States have been stalked. 66.2% of female stalking victims reported stalking by a current or former intimate partner. Uh, 1 in 10 women and 1 in 50 men have experienced stalking by an intimate partner during their lifetime. The hard one for me. Homicide. 1 in 2 female murder victims and 1 in 13 male murder victims are killed by intimate partners. A study of intimate partner homicides found 20% of victims were family members or friends of the abused partner, neighbors, persons who intervened, law enforcement responders, or bystanders. 65% of all murder-suicides murder -suicides are perpetrated by intimate partners. 96% of murder-suicide victims are female, and most intimate partner homicides are committed with firearms. Abusers' access to firearms increases the risk of intimate partner femicide at least fivefold. When firearms have been used in the most severe abuse incident, the risk increases 41-fold. While the overall rate of intimate partner has decreased, intimate partner femicide has increased in recent years, driven by an increase in intimate partner femicide committed with a firearm. Uh, physical and mental effects. Victims of intimate partner violence are in, at increased risk of contracting HIV or other STIs due to forced intercourse and or prolonged exposure to stress. Intimate partner victimization is correlated with a higher rate of depression and suicidal behavior. Only 34% of people who are injured by intimate partners receive medical care for their injuries. Victims of an intimate partner violence lose a total of 8 million days of paid work each year, the equivalent of 32,000 full-time jobs. Intimate partner violence is estimated to cost the U.S. economy between $5.8 billion and $12.6 billion annually, up to 0.125% of the national gross domestic product.
Between 21 and 60% of victims of intimate partner violence lose their jobs due to reasoning stemming from the abuse. Uh, between 2003 and 2008, 142 women were murdered in their workplace by former or current intimate partners. This amounts to 22% of workplace homicides among men. Okay. Now, I'm going to say some things on here right at this moment that um, a lot of people may not like or um, just say that you really shouldn't say that. But I'm going to say it anyway because it's the truth and it has to be said. Anybody that puts people through these type of behaviors and feel like that they got big balls, don't. Let me remind you of how much of a big pussy that you are. When you decide that you feel like you have to go and abuse other people because your life ain't in check. You don't never feel any type of way because you lost something or you feel like that you done got yourself into some trouble stemming up to this event or somebody done proved you wrong. Now you feel like that you had to put yourself into this bullshit predicament by abusing somebody to make you feel good. That makes you a pussy. I'm just throwing that out there. I'm just throwing that out there. And I'm going to say this, and I'm going to say this with strong, with strong force. If anybody that's listening to this podcast and decides that enough is enough, damn it, enough is enough, by all means, by all means, Get yourself out. Get yourself some help. Because I'm going to tell you something. Even though that you put yourself at risk because somebody chooses to either want to kill you or they threaten you, any of that sort, always strive to be brave and be brave at the right time. Because if you choose to do bravery at the wrong time, you could get hurt. And if anybody's listening to this podcast to try to find a way out, out of their domestic violence, relationship, marriage, or whatever. I'm going to say this, and I'm not an expert when I say this. I've said it in the disclaimer. I'm not a psychologist or nothing like that. I'm not a psychiatrist. Um, none of that. I'm just going to say this to you, and this is just a piece of advice. Always do things behind their backs. Just do it behind their backs. 
you got more excuses in one. So many excuses. I'm just going to leave some context clues here. You got animals. You have fast food restaurants. You have stores. Abusers are not going to want to sit in the house all damn day. They are. But it's going to be very rare. They want to get out of the house. Use it to your advantage. And trust me, public restrooms always be the best. It's, it would be hard. Believe me, it would be hard to get away. But you're smart. You're very smart about how to approach these things. Okay? You're very smart. Develop your plan. Develop it. Because the more that you put yourself through the stress, the fear, the anxiety of all of the things that you're dealing with in that um, domestic violence relationship in any type of way the more help is going to be deepened into it and they always say once you're deep in it's going to be hard for you to get yourself out so it's always good to start early and finish it before it gets even deeper If that means you getting yourself hurt or it caused, you know, untimely death. And that's the thing that I hate the most. Believe me when I say that. I hate that the most. You know, you don't never want to put yourself into that predicament of a um, domestic violence relationship. That's why I always think about Aaliyah when it comes to this. You know, she's just two, you know, and then as she grows up, She's going to get into a place where she's going to be interested in um, men or women, doesn't matter, um, of any of any gender. Um, she's going to want to um, get involved, right? And the one thing that you really can't teach your child is that... Um, you can't teach them to fall in love. And that's the hardest thing when um, when we're sitting here now and we're talking about domestic violence. It's hard to teach your loved ones to fall in love. You know, me as a father, you know, I have to look at this as a father, you know, in the father predicament because me putting myself into a relationship that I know that I would never put myself to be an abuser to abuse other people in that type of way. 
but I have to look at it as a father because it's out of my control. It's all I think about. And that's all I'm going to think about. You know how hard it's going to be as Leah gets older that the rush will kick in, the anxieties, all of that will kick in and it's going to be like, oh my gosh, what is going to happen? You know what I'm saying? When she gets herself into this, you know, into a uh, intimate relationship, what is going to happen? You know, she can move 3,000 miles away, you know, and by the time she gets, um, you know, close to uh, young adulthood, when she turns 18, I'll be getting ready to turn 50. Me and Derek will be 50. Nicole will be uh, 52. You know, and then um, Mama, she'll be, uh, I want to say, close to her 80s, if I'm right. And, you know, if she's still around, she'll be in her 80s. You know, that's just, and, and of course, Pop would be in his mid-80s. At that point, close to his 90s, if he's still around. And, you know, that, you know, sometimes these things will hit you hard. It'll hit you hard. So, I, I can't imagine what's going to happen. That's why they always say, hey, always take the time to live your life. Right? Live your life. So let's understand the impact of domestic violence. So one in four women and one in nine men in the U.S. will experience intimate partner violence, making it a serious public health issue. Uh, relationships, while meant to enrich our lives and those of our partners, can have a darker side that often goes unnoticed, un un unaddressed. Domestic violence is a serious public health issue that impacts survivors on a physical and mental scale. While the effects of violence can be devastating, they are preventable. We can all play a part to ensure that relationships are healthy, respectful, and nonviolent for everyone. Understanding domestic violence. So, I'm looking at another article from McGlingHospital.org. This article uses the term domestic violence to refer to any behavior occurring in a romantic relationship that causes physical, sexual, or mental harm. Regardless of whether people live in the same household, domestic violence can occur between any two partners regardless of gender or sexual orientation. Another term, which I've used in um, the other article, um, intimate partner violence, which is IPV, is also often used to refer to violence that occurs between romantic partners while the term domestic violence is sometimes reserved for violence that takes place in the household. Uh, so in either case, the ab abuser could be an current spouse, former spouse, or dating partner. Uh, domestic violence is not uncommon. One in four women and one in nine men in the United States, of course, have reported experiencing sexual violence. 
uh, physical violence and or stalking in their lifetime. The actual rate of domestic violence and sexual assault is unknown because many experiences are afraid to disclose or report it. Right there. Right there. This is how you know. These numbers here, they're facts. But the problem is, is that these numbers could rise up because a lot of them are afraid to disclose it or report it. So while they are saying that these numbers are a fact, these are people that are actually reporting it, they're actually, you know, sharing a lot of information about this, we need those numbers to go up. We need those numbers to go up. Abuse does not need to have multiple occurrences or be carried out for over years to be considered domestic violence. Even one episode can have a serious impact, in, impacts and should not be overlooked. Domestic violence includes any of the following. Physical violence, hitting, kicking, slapping, or other types of physical force that are intended to hurt the partner. Sexual violence, forced or attempted forcing of a partner to engage in sexual acts when the partner does not consent or isn't capable of consenting. This includes both sexual events and non-physical events, like sexting, psychological aggression, verbal and non-verbal communication, uh, communi uh, communicating to erode a person's self-worth, harm the partner mentally or emotionally, or exert control or power over the partner. Stalking, repeated unwanted attention and or contact that triggers fear or worry about partner safety or the safety of others that are close to the victim. Stalkings mean the communication isn't consensual and may include verbal, written, or implied threats. Let me tell y'all something. Anybody listen to this podcast that, that watches uh, Investigation Discovery? Anybody that watch Obsessed? Watch it. That is a prime example of, or close to a prime example of domestic violence. Check it out. It's on Investigation and Discovery. If you have on demand, any type of anything like that, uh, Investigation Discovery, anything of that sort, check it. Do your homework about it. Read. We're doing here. Read. Um... Controlling behaviors are harmful to relationships and may point to more severe domestic abuse. Controlling behaviors are actions, whether verbal or physical, that limit a partner's mobility or access to friends, family, or environments outside of the home. The victim may also deprive from food, money, or access to health care. According to American College of Obst Obstetricians and Gynecologists, Reproductive coercion can also occur. This includes behavior in a relationship related to reproductive health and may happen with or without physical or sexual violence. This includes, but is not limited to, refusal to refusal, refusal to practice safe sex, intentional exposure to sexually transmitted infections, tampering with or sabotaging contraceptions, or controlling access to health services. In addition. Domestic violence can occur in younger persons and is often referred to as a teen dating violence. That's what I was talking about 
when it comes down to Aaliyah. That's what worries me the most. Which impacts millions of teens in the United States. Approximately 11 million women and 5 million men who reported experiences of intimate partner violence shared that they first experienced sexual or physical violence or stalking before the age of 18. And so, I'm going to cut it right there. So, I'm going to go and uh, I'm going to say this. Um, in any mark of your life, okay, we all understand that we have to live our life, right? We all have to go and make decisions. We all have to be CEO of our lives, right? We choose who we want in our lives. We choose who we need in our lives. We choose our friend circle, right? We choose who we want to date. We choose who we marry. At the end of the day, just like CEOs and real-life businesses and entrepreneurs, there comes a price with what you do and the decisions that you make. That's all at the end of the day. There could be good consequences and there could be bad consequences. Either way, there's going to be some type of consequence that deals with your life with the decisions that you make. Like I said earlier, It is hard to deal with domestic violence. You can't teach anybody to fall in love. You just can't. But it is up to you to kind of recognize the type of abuse that they've been putting themselves in. And I want a lot of people to understand that because we are really in the predicament that Domestic violence has really impacted a lot of people, millions of people. Believe it or not, that number's going up. If it hasn't already been up because of people not reporting it. You never know. You know, you never know. So, I'm going to leave that here. And I'm going to cut this. This is the introduction to domestic violence. So please stay tuned as we continue to talk about this. As I continue to talk about domestic violence, I want everybody to be on the same page to help with domestic violence. That's all I have for right now for this week. Uh, Thank you for everybody to listen to me. I appreciate that. I appreciate everybody, you know, putting their time in to listen to me. Once again, I very well appreciate that. Once again, hit me up on the DMs on social media, Instagram and Twitter, Love University. Hit me up on the email, breakingmiddleh at gmail.com. Join me next week, part two, domestic violence. We're going to get deeper. We're going to go and continue from what I read. And we're going to continue. We're going to go state by state. Like I said, I'm going to start with the home state of Indiana. So, stay tuned. Please stay tuned. Thank you again. Stay true to yourself. And always remember, when it comes to listening, you are one step closer to bringing awareness. Let's go.